This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Well, folks, here's what's happening at Right From The Deep. First of all, you might notice that I'm doing this part, just me, Erin, and not Karen. That's because what's happening with her is that she's in the middle of a move. You know what it's like packing your house, moving things on a truck, and going to a new place, a new state, and unpacking, and on and on. She's going to be unavailable for a few days, so I'm doing this alone. But we still love her, and we're praying for her. So thank you to our Patreon sponsors. Um, We appreciate you guys. The encouragement and the financial help you give, that really, truly helps make this show possible. And anyone out there, if you want to find out more and become part of it, you can go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash right from the deep. And special thanks to our August sponsor of the month, Priscilla Shero. She is working on her memoir called Bonked, Life, Love, and Laughter with Traumatic Brain Injury, which will come out with Redemption Press. I'm excited about that book, you guys. I think that's going to be um, really helpful for people and a great book. You can learn more about Priscilla at her website, PriscillaShero.com. It's P-R-I-S-C-I-L-L-A. S-H-A-R-R-O-W dot com. And you can um, follow her blog for the TBI PTSD community. Also, I'll be at the Florida Christian Writers Conference. That's in October, the 19th through the 23rd. It's at Lake Yale Conference Center in Leesburg, Florida. I hope to see you guys there. If you want more information, go to wordweavers, that's word-weavers.com slash Florida events. And, well, I guess it's my turn for the wonder because Karen's not here for this part. (laughs) But I guess what I want to say is that, you guys, have you ever watched your friends go through hard things? I've been doing that with her. I've been watching her with this whole house sale and this whole moving and one terrible thing after another that has happened throughout this process. A lot of discouragements. And you guys, I guess I'm sharing this wonder for her because God has been with them. God has been encouraging them. Our lives are not easy. We know that. And something that we want to be easy never is, especially a move. But God is seeing them through this. And I'm excited for them. I'm excited for their new beginning that they're going to have. I'm excited that things have worked out for this house that they put an offer on. And that was a whole thing. But you guys, I'm excited the way God takes care of his people, no matter what we're going through or what we're watching our friends go through. We know that God, none of this takes him by surprise. He knows and he's got it under control and he is taking care of us. He's promised that. And now here's the show. Welcome, listeners. We're so excited that you're here with us because we like you and because we have a guest. (laughs) Our guest is Sharon Hink, and I'm sure many of you know her 
She writes what she calls stories for the hero in all of us. And she does a phenomenal job with that. She writes about ordinary people on extraordinary faith journeys. I love that. And her books are known for their authenticity, their emotional range and spiritual depth. I mean, you talk about a trifecta in fiction, that's outstanding. And she's written humorous contemporary fiction, women's fiction, the groundbreaking sword of lyric fantasy series and her new dancing round series. She's been honored with a Christie finalist medal, three Carol Awards, and a 2020 Christian Award in the visionary category for her fantasy novel, Hidden Current. And that's about as impressive as it gets. Indeed. She says when she isn't wrestling with words, she enjoys serving as an adjunct professor for the creative writing MFA program at Concordia University. Again, impressive. And also (laughs) shares with conferences, retreats, and church groups. And Sharon and her family make their home in the Minnesota. Oh, Minnesota. Minnesota. Welcome, yeah, you Sharon. betcha. Yeah, you <laughs> betcha. I'm married to a Norski, so I know all about ah, that. You know. <laughs> Oof, you <da>. know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Sharon, we are glad to have you all the way from Minnesota. <laughs> Minnesota. <laughs> um, it's great to be here. Thank you. Oh, good. And so let's just jump right in to one of those Minnesota lakes, right? The land of 10,000 lakes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what does the deep mean to you? Well, I've been thinking about this question. I've listened to the podcast, which I love, and love this thought of what the deep means. And I was thinking one of the deepest places that I have gone with God and seen him at work is in the valley, which is deep, valleys are deep, the valley of the shadow of death. Mm. And that is the place I found myself, and many people found themselves in these past few years as loved ones have gone ahead to heaven mm-hmm. as people, and, and not just the loss of death. I think there's also death of careers, death of health, death of visions, death of all kinds of right. things people right. have dealt with these past few years. But for me, um, I I call Dream of Kings my pandemic book because I started writing it in the pandemic. And I was really looking to play with the notion of biblical inspiration. I do that with a lot of my fantasy novels. I take a character or a story or even a very obscure Bible verse, and then I look at it from a different angle, put it in the fantasy universe that I create and to gain some new insights, to ask story questions and to learn more about God's nature. Mm-hmm. So I was playing with this idea of someone who was a dream teller, and I made it a woman, Jolan, the dream teller of Norgard. And, <laughs> and I think I was probably inspired by a Minnesota winter when I started the book. Um, and she's betrayed by her own people, her guild, and she's sold to an enemy country. So you can see kind of where the inspiration came from. And because of that, I assumed my theme would be about forgiveness, seeing how, you know, what what they meant for evil, God meant for good, and how God works out good. What I didn't realize was the way God would shape that theme much more into the avenue of how he is with us, even in loss. Mm. And it played out in my life in that I had written about 80,000 words, and life was difficult. I, I have chronic health challenges, which keep me mostly homebound, and um struggle quite a bit. My mom was battling Alzheimer's and I was trying to care for her. 
But I was still plugging away at this book because that's what God's called me to do is to write. So I could still do that even when I'm stuck in bed. I can write. And then mom fell and broke her hip. Oh, no. And um, had to go. She had surgery, hip replacement, went to transitional care. We couldn't visit for quite a while because of, um, you know, they were trying to protect patients. So you had to wait several weeks. On the day I would be able to go and be with her again, the uh, transitional care called and said she was unresponsive this morning when we went into her room. We think she had a stroke. We've sent her to the hospital. Oh, no. So I'm like shaking, get to the hospital. They only allow one family member in because this was in the midst of everything. At least they let you in. At least I, at that point, I was able to go in. Yeah. I, but I felt so alone, so scared. I had mm-hmm. her, her medical directive. We, ta- we had talked about it when she was lucid. I knew her right. wishes. But there they are asking me, well, you know, her brain, there's this blockage. And if you don't make a decision soon, she's going to lose all function. What would she want? And I'm looking through all of the directive and it was really hard to discern. And I said, she's spunky. Yes, she has Alzheimer's, but she still laughs. She still loves life. And they said, yeah, well, we can put a catheter in and try to pull out this blockage in the brain and she might recover. But, you know, she has the broken hip. She's probably in a lot of pain. So maybe just let her go. And, oh, that was an agonizing choice. But I said, no, I think at this point we should try. Mm. So then they did the surgery. She came through it. But it didn't make a difference. She was paralyzed, unable to speak very much. And she was paralyzed on the side opposite of the broken hip. So it was pretty rough. So I was there with her in intensive care. And then we worked with hospice to get her back to her apartment that she shared with my stepdad. And I was able to be there and care for her. And here's where it was interesting, because you know what it's like as a dedicated writer. You think, you know, but. I'll just keep working somehow. Right. I, right. I, I brought my laptop and thought, while she's dozing in between me giving her her medication and caring for her and wiping her forehead and doing, you know, whatever, I'll, I'll keep working on this novel. And within five minutes, I realized that's not what God's calling me to right now. Right, mm. right. <laughs> this is a sacred time. She is right. on the threshold of heaven. And I need to just be here with her. So I set aside and, and thankfully I, I had plenty of time. I wasn't in a tight deadline. You know, I, I wasn't being irresponsible, but I could set that aside and just be with mom. So wow. after several weeks, she went to heaven. We had precious time together. Um, I played her favorite music. I read mm. her favorite Psalms. We watched episodes of Columbo, her favorite <laughs> TV show. <laughs> Uh, I, I, uh, just one more question. <laughs> I kept joking I was going to buy her a raincoat like his. There you go. <laughs> so it was a precious time, but also heartbreaking. And yeah. then came cleaning out the apartment and sorting through her things and planning a funeral and helping my stepdad move. And I was so beaten down by grief that I really thought maybe I'm done. Maybe. Yeah. I I won't be able to pick up the threads of the book again. Mm. So as I said, I was about 80,000 words in to what was planned to be 120,000 because it's an epic fantasy. Right. And I thought, I just don't have that in me. And the grief counselor I talked to had said, don't make any decisions the whole first year 
after a significant loss because and and then what why I talk about this valley of the shadow of death we had six significant losses in six months mm-hmm. so the same day mom had a stroke my uncle passed away we had friends we had other relatives Ted's brother I mean it was those months and I know it wasn't just me which somehow didn't comfort me that the whole no. world <laughs> It doesn't. It doesn't. When you go through grief, nothing comforts you for a while, but then God gets through. But no, I hear you. Yeah. So, I mean, it almost augmented the grief knowing that so many in the world were also going through that kind of heart-wrenching loss. So I went to a writer's conference a few months later and was teaching, and God often makes me teach the things I need to hear. Because mm-hmm. apparently I only listen to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So I came home and said, it's time to look back. I'll just open the manuscript and see what God wants to do. And he just empowered and inspired. And I wrote and wrote and wrote. But what was weird is that the themes weren't what I thought they were going to be. Right. And I didn't even see it till my critique buddies were reading it. And they said, you're talking about loss of identity, loss of role, loss of loved ones, loss of freedom. That's the theme here. Mm-hmm. And that just always amazes me how God's able to do that, how he's able to use. I love Corey Ten Boom's quote. There is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. Right. And, oh, right. and so my character is in a very deep pit, literally yep. imprisoned, treated unjustly, suffering loss. And one of my favorite things, and it's just a God thing, she was describing her losses as if it was a shelf of books. And mm-hmm. she would pull out each volume and page through it and feel sad and feel that loss. But by the end of the story, she's able to mentally open each of those and the pages are gilded with the grace of God as she sees his mercy in it all, Hmm. if that makes sense. It does. It's a beautiful image. What is so interesting to me is that obviously there's a difficult, difficult experience, this valley of the shadow of death, very difficult. But I truly think that the book became a different book. You stopped at 80,000 words. If for some way you would have just tried to push through it, it wouldn't have been the book that God wanted to happen. And after those trials and after that groaning and after that time of grief and learning, it then you were able to write with so much more depth of feeling and it just it made the book a different book i i love how god does that i do and too. it made and, the and book a better book it made it a deeper book and a, probably a far more profound book yeah well and i i love what god shows us about himself in those deep places because he was so tender in so many ways I just saw his hand shaping situations when I felt so broken and beaten down and he was there. But not only is he with us in those dark places, he transforms the dark Mm -hmm. places and he creates beautiful things and he fulfills purposes, which is in Dream of Kings, which parallels 
biblical dream tellers. He's also able to show that what you went through had a purpose that's much bigger than you knew. Yeah, I've always said in God's economy, nothing is wasted. Everything that happens to us in God's economy is is an element of our refinement or teaching us or blessing us. The losses can actually bless us once we get through the pain. It's it's just a testimony to, to his goodness and, like you said, his tenderness. Yeah, and I think when we're in the deep place, I was just, before you called, I was reciting Psalm 121, which was one of my mom's favorites. I lift mm-hmm. up my eyes to the hills from whence does my help come. come. Yeah. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And I think when we're in the deep, we look up and we look for God instead of our own power and our own wisdom. And I tend to be a little self-reliant. And so if when things are going well, I rely on me. But right. when I, I'm in the deep places, I have to look up. I have to look for him. Yeah. I also like the idea here that you had a ministry of presence with your mom. Mm-hmm. I think we can get so focused on our writing and our doing and our this and our that. And sometimes we forget the most important thing, a ministry of presence. And and let's be present when we're making dinner with our family or let's be present when we're watching, you know, our kid play soccer or whatever we're doing. Um, or let's be present with someone who's hurting. You know, I mean, whatever it is, those things are important too. Writing is important, but what we learn or what we can give or offer through our ministry of presence is, it's not, it's priceless. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, we hope you're enjoying this amazing podcast with Sharon Hink because the second part is coming up in two weeks and you will just learn so much about what God does for us in Deep Valleys. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at writefromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Mm-hmm.